Hello and welcome to our spin-off show, Another 10 Questions. This week our returning guest is my old friend Kate Langbrook, whose bold and hilarious banter is one of my favourite things about Australian broadcasting. And she's a great writer too. She started off on Neighbours and then had a column in the City Weekly and then in News Corp's Stella magazine. And now she's written a book called Ciao Bella, where she charts the highs and lows of her and her family's relocation to Italy for two years, which took in a pandemic. Of course, most of us know Kate from her radio partnership with Dave Hughes, which went from Nova to Kiss to the Hit Network and eventually ended in Italy. She was always one of my favourite guests on the Agony series because she was utterly fearless. Here she is talking about flirting. People have said to me before that I flirt with women and men. But I don't, it's not conscious. It's just, you know, if you meet someone you like that you're engaged with them and you find them sort of exciting. And so then you fuck them. I'll never not find that funny. Now, because Kate and I had been living overseas for a period, we had a lot of catching up to do. In the background, you'll hear her husband Peter playing host and ensuring all the tech is running smoothly. We're having trouble loading your feed. What? Will I reload? No, I can hear you. What does that mean? Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. But I've I, lost it, half of you behind this. Oh. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> 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 is, that, is that connection okay? Yeah, I reloaded it. He he said it's good. So I was oh, that's, with good. It. that's good. Hey, darling. You just look a bit slow. Your movements are a bit slow. It did say his thing I am was slow. slow. I am slow. That's one of his beauties. His strength is also his weakness. It's his superpower. Oh, it's true. Oh, have you forgotten that I know you? Yeah, I I can't go on. I'll no. see him. Good Darling, to see you would again. You, could you, can I get a cup of hot water? Just a big, Just hot water. You know that creepy big brother mug? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I could never go on commercial radio. My agent even said that to me. He said, you just talk too slowly, mate. Well, you know, Pang also speaks slowly. Mm, he's got charisma. Oh, you don't think you've got charisma? Different kind. He's so, he's so likable. He's so likable. Yeah. He really reminds me of um, so much of who's the lovely one who just died? Um, oh, what's his name? So we spent some time going through comedians who had just died and Peter came in with Kate's hot water and the creepy Big Brother mug and that's when he gave me a clue. Oh. Um, you know, the lovely, he looks, he reminds me of Pang. Yeah. He used to do Conan all the time. Yeah, he used to do Conan all the time. Um, Norm MacDonald. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. He, yeah, rem- yeah, yeah. Pang, he reminds me very much of Pang. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. No, Pro- it's, probably uh... a point not worth making given how much time that took. But. Yeah, <laughs> got that similar affability, you know. Then I suggested to Kate that we get started because if we keep chatting, we might run out of energy. Will we? You are, hang on a sec. I'm curious that you, you'll you run out of puff, will you? If we're having an enjoyable conversation. I don't run out of puff because I'm just asking the questions, but I have noticed when I interview friends that we have this amazing catch-up at the start and then by the time we get to the interview... They're losing the will to live. I don't think so, Zoir. I'm just, I ca- my eyeballs can't get enough of you. That's that's nice. And also I'm, I'm scouring you for signs of um, some sort of most easterly point in Australia living. Yeah. Do you reckon I'm a bit more relaxed? I think you are. Mm. I think you are. I think you look great. You look, 
your oh, skin you. looks sort of plump and fresh. I mean, it's all working for you. Whatever, whatever mantra you're saying every morning is working for you. I thanked Kate for her kind observations and said that the downside of living in coastal Australia was the snake population, which is a constant part of life. Do you know, I just do think we've probably we've probably got more snakes and more sharks than we need. I know that this is not a popular point of view. I know people are like, you're swimming in there. It's like you then coming into your lounge room. Actually, no, it's not. It's actually not because a snake, a, a snake doesn't have a lounge room and neither does a shark. Whereas I've worked very hard to make mine quite a lovely place. <laughs> and I'm not saying we don't need any. We don't need to be not like New Zealand, but how amazing that is. When you travel through New Zealand, I kept saying to Peter, because we only went for the first time a few years ago, I kept looking at these paddocks and going, so we could literally lie down in that paddock, sleep overnight, and we would not die from a spider bite or a snake bite. Wow. Like, apparently so, apparently so, because it sounds impossible. I did not know that. Yeah, they've got no poisonous snakes, no poisonous spiders. Oh, what a life that would be. I mean, you could be wet to death, wet to death with a jandal, uh, but, yeah. or some, someone or an could. accent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I take your point. I will not digress. <laughs> I love your digressions. No, I, you I, told me it will be fatiguing and you'll no, have to go have a nap. Be, I didn't I underestimated you, but others, I'm just saying, others have kind of gone. <laughs> well, you're very good with your questions. <laughs> you know, that is you're a good questioner. I've interviewed you quite a bit, but you deserve to be interviewed, you know. You've interviewed a lot of people in your life. Well, that is my job, isn't it? I mean, it's not actually my job, it's what I'm a Leo. I know you are. You probably believe in astrology now because you live in Byron Bay. No, I've always believed. Have you? Yeah, of course you're a Leo. What I, I knew you? you're a Leo, but I'm a Capricorn. Um, so we're the oh, goat. you're a goatee. A yeah, goatee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so you. Yeah, I can imagine totally. you trip, trap, trip, trap on your way up to the Byron Bay line. Yeah. Trip, yeah. trap, trip, trap, having a little look around. So determined. Yeah, your little beard. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly deft of foot or deft of hoof. Yeah, yeah, I'm a good balancer. Mm, the yeah, bad knees. Very good. I don't think, do goats have bad knees? <laughs> All Capricorns have bad knees. You know, it's a thing. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Huh. Um, and what's Peter? Mm. Sagittarius. The same sign as, same as Hugh, Husey. Isn't that funny? My two longest relationships. We started talking about how Leo and Sagittarius were both fire signs and I started listing Sagittarius traits and then... Do you know what this is? I'm living proof of the fact that because I'm a Leo, I'm only interested in my own sign and all the rest of you saying this is like Homer Simpson talking to his dog. All I hear yeah, is... Yeah, of course. Of course. But because as soon as it's not about Leo... I'm but it like, is yeah. about Leo because it's about her Leo. Which is very Leo. <laughs> it is about Leo because it's who you should be working with. And had you been working with, oh. you know, star signs less compatible, it may not have worked out. You know, if Yuzi had been, I don't know. Who should I, uh, who should I avoid? A Taurian? Look, yeah... The earth signs, because you know how you can be friends with a lot of people, but you don't really know anyone until you work with them. Um, you know, right. so you, yes. you're probably the earth signs you probably should avoid. 
but but they would if they give the Leo uh, all the space the Leo needs to be the queen, then that's fine. That sounded passive no. aggressive. No, why it but, did. It's like what Husey would always go. Oh yes, oh Leo, fucking Leos. Oh look at us, we're so great. And I'm, I'd be like. But we yeah. are great. Yeah, you just can't. You're, what, you're going to talk a Leo down from thinking that they're great? It's just never going to happen. <laughs> Once again, passive it's not aggressive. Passive aggressive. It's, aggressive. it's not aggressive. I'd I be think. very honest. I know a lot about it. You're you not do. going to tell a, a, a Leo woman that she's not great. Well, why would you do that to any woman, by the way, Zoar? Hashtag me too. What, <laughs> What's the, what sort of man have you become that you now travel around Australia <laughs> telling women they're not great? <laughs> That's a really good point. There, there are some people in the world who aren't great, Kale, and some of them oh, might be are. might be of both gen- or any gender. Yes, isn't it devastating when you find out that someone you love is not great? <laughs> It's really devastating because when I love someone, I really, you know how you see them through the prism of your love. And then at some point the scales come away and you're just like, oh, my goodness, but I loved you. How is that possible that my, if nothing else in the world, that my love of you should see you rise? Your powers of perception have sometimes been wrong. I can't believe that. Yes, they have sometimes been wrong. But actually, I think you always know deep down. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah. You 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 choose you choose to not see. Mm. Which is of course how you maintain beautiful, loving relationships with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through choosing to see the positive or even seeing the negative but through their eyes mm. so you understand the motivation or whatever. Yeah. No, it's, it, look, it is a shock and it's um, sometimes you get into those, you, you get into those kind of close-knit relationships because you're getting on well with someone and then the next step you, you work with them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Then the relationship's on different footing and, it's, and it can either be hugely successful or, or yes. you've lost a friend. Well, because relationships take, all relationships take a lot of work, but really good relationships, the work doesn't seem so much like effort as it just seems like evolution. Yeah, that's so true. You know, people are like, you've got to work in a marriage. You've got to work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. I'm like, oh, my God, is it? Well, I suppose it is, but but the way that you do it has to feel, if it feels too much like a chore, who's turning up for that every day? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. The mark of it is when you encounter a hiccup, it's how you navigate hard times. Yeah. And how willing the how willing how willing you both are to change and to come together and to acknowledge fault and to, you know, repurpose mm. yourselves going forward. Yeah. And that is the measure. If you can come through, Husey, you know how you said if you work with people, you can know if you like them or not. Husey always said, um, if you can travel together because he always said to me about Peter early on when we were, you know, when we go on holidays, you know, together and he'd be like, if you can spend three weeks with him in Vietnam, you should marry that guy. 
I'm like, really? <laughs> I, mean, I spent three weeks with a lot of people in Vietnam. <laughs> Should I marry all of them? But it's an interesting measure, isn't it? Gauge. Yeah, was, was Pete Hughes' favourite boyfriend of yours? Yeah, I think he knew him. Yeah, he, he, he's really the only one that, that, that Hughes is properly right. known. Like properly mm. known and and because and from the not really the start but pretty close to the start mm. yeah mm. no it, i reckon it'd be a hard marker isn't he well it was interesting because he met holly at at you know when we were working together i know i just interviewed he's on next week i think he's on next week i'm, I'm glad i've got oh, you guys really? the week after. yeah 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 um, and he's going through a real positive, you know, he's so positive at the moment. Oh, he's so zen. Yeah. He's so zen. But once again, if you ask Sasha. Sasha is Sasha French, Husey and Kate's longtime executive producer. But once again, if you ask Sasha how zen he's, I'm fucking zen. <laughs> you know, that's classic Hugh. <laughs> we've, always got, we've always got motivational Hugh. But, you know, Love one it. of the things, you know how I was saying that the, 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 the evolution of of you both should feel not effortless, but it should feel like that's part of the, you know, that that's part like a natural cycle rather than just like that you're going out to chip rocks every day, like Nelson Mandela on that Island. But one of the things I love about Hugh is that he, he just is constantly finding new facets Mm. or re Re, re dressing up the old aspects of himself mm. with some new jargon and a new glittery suit. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Constant state of mm. evolution. Um or, yes. or changing suits as you say. Yeah. It's yes. It's uh no, it's always very interesting with him. I, I like that. I like that in a person. Me too. And also it takes a degree of um bravery, a, a word widely used. Um, but it does, it takes a, you know, he's like so forthright and fearless in many ways, I know. except of course, about the thought of stopping work that I think that's his kryptonite. Yeah. I remember Amanda saying that to me. She goes, oh, you're not addicted to anything. Oh, actually you are work. And I think he's, he's probably right. addicted to work as well. Right. I, I would hope that when you were talking to your lovely wife and you had that conversation that you then quickly picked it up with and of course i'm also addicted to you my love but i suspect you didn't why won't you in my ear i need a little earpiece with you there at all times like a producer (laughs) that's actually a good that's actually a good tv show idea yes of you just being in people's heads like when they're out and about and you're able to just kind of help them negotiate things because you think a little bit quicker than most people. It's a Hamish and Andy sketch. It, is, it probably is. Hamish and Andy, I think, did that. Uh, it's always that. Everyone, you know, it's always, I, I guess they just had to produce so much content. Well, they really did. But also, you just said yourself what a good idea it was. So, so that's probably why they did it. They're like, this is a great idea. I liked it. I came up with an idea 10 years after Hamish and Andy. <laughs> <I just laughs> but you said it for TV. Yeah. Yeah, but they probably did it. And also, rope, there are no, you know, there are no new ideas, are there? Nah. There's just, you know, people taking to them with, with 
vigor. Yeah. With the vigor of people who don't know that they're hackneyed or whatever. And that's how new things are born and become beautiful. Not long after that, and with neither of us showing any signs of running out of puff, I went to question one and asked Kate how she thought her fellow workers would describe her. Oh, well, that's such a good question. I mean, if you're talking about people like we were talking about Hugh, Hughie and Sash, who have worked with me for nearly 20 years, I mean, would they describe me any differently than just people who know me? Because after yeah, 20 years, not. you have the full shape of someone, yeah, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although a lot of people who work in showbiz, I imagine you could work with them for 20 years and barely have a discernible outline. So true. But I think, what would they say about me? Um, I think I'm quite good fun to work mm. with. Um, I, I imagine I'm probably annoying. I don't know how I'm annoying, but I imagine that I probably am because most people are. And, <laughs> and I like ideas. Mm. Well, it's a showtime thing too. It's like, you know, you're getting ready for showtime and it's, of course, you're going to put put pressure on your fellow co-workers, you know. Well, you know, yes, it is. It's like, uh, yeah, you are, you're putting on a show and there's no people like show people, like no people I know. No. Mm. Oh, I think Husey would say I complain a lot. Oh, you're always whinging, he'd say. Yeah, but right. But I'm like, is that me or is that just because I'm a woman? And... You know, that's what the gatherers did. We had to find fault because we were just stuck in the same place. We weren't out with a spear looking for bison. We didn't get to go. We had to just live in the shithole that you had barely made for us. That's and so, so true. of course, we had to find fault with it so we could improve it. Anyway. Yeah. But also, also, I would add, it's, because he's got a whole lot of different things that he whinges about. It's just that you're not whinging about the things that he's whinging about. So therefore he thinks ah, you're whinging. so true. If someone's complaining about what you're complaining about, you're just in total agreement. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's oh, different, it's very like. Cl- yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like that trope about how men like to complain about cushions on the bed. Yeah, yeah. But, and so I always make a point of my, my, because my husband loves to come to bed and um, for me. (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to where this is going. (laughs) Is that in the book? You got to read between the lines. Haven't you read the fucking book, mate? I'm reading. Read the fucking book. I'm very slow. Reading, reading. What are you, two pages in? (laughs) I've, I've, I keep on going, like, you keep on being attracted to the, uh, the pictures. There's a lot of pictures. One of the events Kate describes in her book is going to the vow renewal ceremony between comedian Lawrence Mooney and his wife Lou. And there are many photos in the book of the best and brightest of Australian comedy and radio looking tanned, healthy and celebrating in the Mediterranean sun. I went to his wedding in Positano. He was already married. He, he yeah, yeah. married Lou, his wife. And it was so as- just perfect it was perfect it's the photo the photos are it's like you know watching an episode of the trip oh yeah it's just a beautiful light and everyone looks healthy in the photos yes. all these people who i know who sometimes look unhealthy yes look very everyone healthy. looks beautiful happy everyone was so happy mm. so italy is because italians love to dwell on the um you know they're very good at loss and 
drama mm. and sadness, but they're fundamentally, I don't know if they're happy people, but they know how to make happiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, when I was in Milan, I've never had so many people just smiling at me in the street. Like, and I go, wow, that's nice. It's just. Wow. Um, all, well, in all... Bologna, they don't smile at you. Oh, okay. Oh, no, Bologna, what? no. The matrons are not friendly. In fact, if you, you know, that's look at them, they'll sort of look you up and down as though there's a lot of looking up and down in Bologna. Ah. But the young people are friendly. The older ones are not. Interesting. A bit stiff. A bit yeah. stiff. Mm. Um, what's the most unhelpful feedback you've received in your life? All right, I was thinking about this, and this is really, this was obviously a seminal moment for me. It was when I, before I went to high school, and we had only been back from living in New Guinea a couple of years or whatever, and um, one of the girls who I'd made friends with at primary school, but because I was a Jehovah's Witness, my friends were very, and also because I was weird, I was obviously weird. Um, my friendships were always just a bit um, complicated and mm. often painful for reasons I couldn't understand and then the girls would all exclude me or whatever one day. And then anyway, one of these girls that I was friends with um, who lived around the corner from me said to me, and I was going to a different high school to them, I didn't want to go to the high school my brother went to where he eventually went on to become school captain, as you would expect someone from the Liberal National Party to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, she said to me, when you start school next year, she said, try to be more normal. Oh, wow. Wow. And I was so, at the time, of course, I didn't let on how, hurt I was and also mystified. I, I, how can you say that to someone, try to be more normal? Like, do, do you think I'm not fucking trying? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I know. Who goes out going on, aside from, you know, wankers who walk around with, you know, a pet ferret on their shoulder and then get annoyed when you mention it, aside from those sorts of people, mm. most people are trying to be normal. Anyway, I remember I was so weakened with... um hurt and shame about it that I remember crying in the shower like something from Chekhov yeah. you know, just sliding down the shower wall because my legs couldn't even hold oh. me my poor little I don't know how old how old are you when you start high school in probably I was 12. Oh my god and where was this in 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 Brisbane Bodes no, you weren't in Bodes. Why do I think you're in Bodes? No, we were in um on the south side of Brisbane in yeah. um Runcorn, or as my father called it, Runcorn Heights. Runcorn Heights. Mm. And and wh where where did your brother go to school? He went to Sunnybank, Sunnybank, Sunnybank High, Sunnybank and then Hoy? I yeah. Sunnybank Hoy, and then I went to Salisbury Hoy, which yeah. is now closed. Yeah, I remember is, Salisbury. I think my brother closed it when he was education minister. Yeah. Mm. He just didn't like the cut of its jib. <laughs> didn't like what they'd produced with me. <laughs> well, that's that's so interesting because what you know, you 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 feel like you know, in retrospect, if you ever kind of revisit that conversation in your mind, you go, 
and what does normal look like? What do you want? What do you want from me? What, what do you am know? I? What was funny though? I knew that she was right. Right. I knew that I wasn't doing normal properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. How could I? I was a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. My dad was from Holland. My mum was a Jamaican American. We lived in the south side of Brisbane, for God's sake. I wasn't allowed to go to a birthday party, a Christmas party or whatever. I went to five Jehovah's Witness meetings a week. I knocked on people's doors and tried to sell them the watchtower and awake. How the fuck could I be normal? Mum and dad made me learn the violin. What? Give give a girl a chance. That's brilliant. Yeah, 100% you couldn't do it, whereas you had a lot of excuses and I didn't. I didn't have any. Oh no, I think you did as well because you uh, had your brain. Yeah, and and, and uh, just that. I think it's that the the solitude too of being an only child didn't really right, know how yes. to communicate to others. Yeah, right, right. Others. Of course, because you hadn't had that the cut and thrust that mm. bigger. Mm. So having a just having a sibling means that you're a little bit kind of battle hardened too. Like, so if yes. someone looked at me sideways, I burst into tears. Yes. And also, it means that there is always someone on your side, at least of the fence, maybe mm. not necessarily on your side, but at least someone who knows the reasons for you. Yeah. 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 Whereas that's when it. you don't have that validation, it's just you presenting. Little Adam Zoar to the world, <laughs> and and how can people be expected to understand all of that? No, no, they're still struggling to understand it when they can be bothered thinking about it. Question three: What's the failure Kate most cherishes? Oh, I, it pertains to the question above. I think my failure to learn to be normal actually ended up being the greatest gift that I could give myself. Mm. But, you know, just as you at that part in your life where you want to look the same as everyone else and have the same runners and you want the proper school bag or whatever, um, what what you don't realise at the time is that the difference is the, the interesting part, not the sameness. At some stage there must have been a transition where you thought what I've got is good and is actually going to set me apart in a, in a media career? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, there was a period at which I went, I went, oh, hang on, I actually think I'm all right. Mm. And that was, interestingly, when, when the other Jehovah's Witnesses at my school left, particularly the two girlfriends I was friends with, they left. They left in grade 10. Because their parents told to them go To go work, yeah, to, oh, yeah because yeah. that's, you know, to go get jobs. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, was staying on. And I say, of course, because my dad was very, very counter to what the Jehovah's Witnesses were into at the time um, because he'd become a Jehovah's Witness after he'd finished his tertiary education. He was a teacher. <gasps> well, they were very big on me and my brother going to university, which was very frowned upon by the Witnesses and was seen as seeking man's knowledge rather than God's. But mum and dad were like, mum was like, the, the kids are going to university. And because um, and she'd never even been to school, my mother, one oh of the smartest God. people I know, never been to school. Was she homeschooled? Yeah, by yeah. my grandmother and by the Jehovah's Witnesses. They lived near the Bethel headquarters in, in Brooklyn, in oh. New York, oh, where mum wow. grew up, yeah. 
So she, so she didn't grow up in Jamaica. They moved. From, no. Yeah, yes, gotcha. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Wow. So she grew up in Brooklyn in those days. Yeah. 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 Which would have been a tough place. Well, not as tough as I think it became. I mean, then right. it was Jews, and yep. a lot of the Jews felt bad that my Jewish grandfather had left my my Jamaican grandmother and the two kids. So that that community looked after them quite a lot. Mum mm-hmm. was saying like the the restaurants would give them meals that hadn't been eaten at the end of the night and. You know. Wow. So, mm. was your, so did your mother identify as being Jewish for a while? Well, no, but she is very Jewish. Yeah. But she, technically, she's not because it's her dad who was Jewish. Yeah. But, and and obviously, he married out because he married my Jamaican um, grandmother. Mm. So, who was a Jehovah's Witness, but I think was had at that point lapsed from the Jehovah's Witnesses, then went back to it. You know, having spent five years in LA. It make it, there's no surprise that you've got Jewish blood in you. Oh, I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny? I and I have quite a few Jewish friends, and I'm always like, I'm a very, I'm a very um, Yiddish shiksa. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's that. It's that kind of. It's the the confidence as well as being very maternal, and it's um, and just the eyes in the back of their heads, like because my I've got I've got. Uh, a Jewish side of my family, and it's it, you know it's a matriarchy. Um, yes, yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, it is. Um, question four is: If you could go back five years, what advice would you give yourself? So five years, I would say to myself: Keep doing what you're doing, and also learn how Bitcoin works. And <laughs> get get some of that shit going. Because it was the closest my husband and I have ever come to a, a fight, like a big fight, was about Bitcoin. And <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous because it's like two people fighting about something neither of them understand. <laughs> That's but, brilliant. Yes. And oh. I'm very, you know, I'm not really one of those people who would go I'd go back to 1973 and buy Apple shares <laughs> but the Bitcoin I I was vindicated about but without the financial vindication which is just as well because I wouldn't know how to get it how to save it how to store it on a stick or whatever whatever you do put it in a digital wallet so what the fuck how was you for it or again it was where was Peter and where were you no this? okay so what happened was when we went into lockdown initially in 2019 2020 for some reason you know because we had more time than we'd ever had before i you go down various rabbit holes um and one of the rabbit holes i went down was about bitcoin which i i didn't know anything about it i mean we all know that you know whatever they whatever they say you know the ledger the universal ledger or whatever oh yeah 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 anyway but there was an aspect to it that i read that instantly piqued my interest in some some kind of um what was that book that guy wrote dan what's his name all about the secrets of you know the catholic church in italy and stuff dan brown dan brown yeah yeah what was that book called that so, so not the Da Vinci Code, the lost yes, symbol. Yes, the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code. Okay, great. Yeah. Anyway, so I was like that with Bitcoin. 
because it, it was this. So that was probably in March I started reading about it. And what happened was they said that in May there would be this thing called the happening because there's only a finite amount of Bitcoin made by that the Japanese guy who invented it, whatever. They can't make more, but what they do is they divide it. Ah. And it's called the happening. Gotcha. Okay. As soon as something's got a name like that, it must have been, it must have spoken to the, you know, fundamentalist in me. I'm mm-hmm. like, the happening? Yeah. I'll be a part of the happening. And the happening was happening in May. And it happens every seven years. It was only happened once before, I think. And in the period after that, Bitcoin had its first kind of massive surge. So I said to Peter, I've been reading about this thing. So I read about it for days and days. It did not help me really understand any more about Bitcoin. But I was like, I'm on board with the happening. I'm in lockdown. I've got nothing else. Anyway, so I said to Peter, I want to buy Bitcoin. And Peter does all the stuff in our family, all the hard stuff that he does brilliantly, stuff that I don't have the wherewithal or or the necessity to attend to because he does it, right, Mm. and I do other stuff. So he does all the paperwork and pays bills and sorted out visas for moving to Italy and whatever. But so I couldn't buy Bitcoin without his help because it would involve moving, transferring money around. And, and of course, not cash, not, not anything I understand. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't have <laughs> I went, I know, I just really want us to get some before <laughs> May when this thing called the happening happens. <laughs> Let me just say this. When we started the conversation, I think Bitcoin was like $7,000. Maybe it was $12,000. Over the period of, you know, the ensuing weeks, it went 7000 something, went up 12000 after the happening, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000, 70,000, then came back. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, I don't know, 90 grand or whatever. Who knows? I don't understand it. I shouldn't have bought it. I had no interest in it. What would I have done with it? Kept it in a sock. It's not even a real thing. I don't understand any of it. (laughs) And yet I was really annoyed at my husband for not having listened to me about this one thing that I knew about and that I had actually spent two weeks reading up about. Because I was so, uh, what what is totally unfair about this Bitcoin argument is that I've now totally let go, by the way. Um, is that I was angry at Peter not for not only for not acting on my half-baked scheme that just by the roll of the dice turned out to be correct, but also I was annoyed at him for my reliance on him. Oh. You know, in one of those. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, if you want it, why don't you go get it? Knowing, knowing that asshole who I love more than life itself, knowing that I couldn't. And this is what I always think, Zwar. When you think you're angry at someone else, you're nearly always angry at yourself. Oh, of course. 
nearly always. Uh, and so I was yes. annoyed at my own incompetence, my own inability to understand, to move fiat money around in exchange for digital currency. <laughs> that's, uh, that's amazing and profound. I love that answer. <laughs> What was the question? I forgot. It's the five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five years, yeah. And that's where we're going to leave it for part one. Come back for part two where we get into the weeds of her writing, her love of the C word, and her time on the Agony series where she said gems like this. I was a Jehovah's Witness whose parents were migrants in Queensland at a public school where every girl was a surfie. And one of the girls in grade 10 went out with a guy who was in jail. And I arrived the first day of school carrying a violin case with a brown bob and unshaven legs. Do you reckon I fit it in? (laughs) It was seamless. Thank you so much for tuning in to 10 Questions. If you'd like to subscribe to us on Patreon, we're at 10 Questions with Adam Zwar, and that's where you can get the bonus content on every interview. Until next time, thanks for joining us.